Welcome to the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. The questions posed in this podcast series all come from automation technology users like yourself across the process and discrete manufacturing industries. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is, what effect does automation have on supply chain management? Now, to answer this question, I'm joined today by Matt Ruth, president of Avancion, a system integration and engineering services company focused on industrial automation systems ranging from manufacturing execution systems and analytics to industrial Internet of Things projects and delivery of automation technologies as a service. So, Matt, you know, most discussions of supply chain technology these days, you know, involve a focus on transportation logistics and tracking shipments, you know, incoming and outgoing. But how does supply chain uh, technology and software affect production planning and actual production operations? First off, I'd like to thank, thank you, David, for having me. And so I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of insight with your, uh, your podcast folks here. So, yeah, for, for us, um, I, th- I think a lot of those discussions um, focus that way because it's kind of a natural starting point to walk backwards from the customer and the last mile problem. Um, that's always been one that there's been a lot of value in solving. And so today you're seeing a lot where Amazon and Walmart are tackling those issues and working out solutions like drones and different fleets for delivery. And those logistic challenges are getting worked out. Um, as that happens, the warehouse and inventory kind of levels are able to be reduced as things ship more just in time. And so there's a natural progression upstream into the operational piece as kind of that net next step of efficiency. Um, so with that the case kind of in the near future, we're seeing a lot where planning and operations needs to be functioning in a more predictive manner in order to anticipate and sort of allow for the issues that are going to arise and still meet that just-in-time demand, but without having to create too much inventory of finished goods and, and whip and, and so forth, and really address the need for the, a wide variety of, of just-in-time uh, things to be produced. And so what that means to manufacturers is not only understanding kind of what the demand is and the transportation is going to look like, but also be more accurate and predictive in the cycle times of that specific uh, item they need to make, how the changeover mixes in, and what the likelihood of kind of the downtime and failures are, rather than this more generic one-size-fits-all thing that we sort of do today, and that rule of thumb that we we kind of we kind of go after today, a lot more granularity and detail needs to be tacked on. Um, in, in addition, adding more flexibility in batching systems and packaging lines to convert from one SKU to another is a big uh, future projection, future need. Um, and so those innovations and improvements that need to be manifested in kind of that next iteration of the production floor reality. Uh, we see it happening in minor doses and in some more innovative manufacturers today, but I think holistically across the board, you'll start to see a lot more flexibility and, and agility in the way that people produce their product. Now, one thing, Matt, just to clarify, is, is a few times you mentioned the need to be more predictive uh, on the part of manufacturers. And, and in doing that, are you referring to just being more in tune with the production systems that are already in existence? Or is this something along the lines like uh, 
predictive, I, I know you're not talking about predictive maintenance software, but are you talking about new types of technologies that analyze data in a more advanced fashion to allow for more uh, predictive analysis of what's happening? Were you just talking about being more in tune to what companies already have, or are you talking about a more advanced technology? No, I'm, I'm talking about being uh, more predictive and leveraging the tools of today around analytics, machine learning, taking all the contextual data that you have and assembling it together to make reason on the way that your factory should be producing. Um, there's enough out there that's not, there's, you know, you, you hear this, the um, statistics that more than 99 point something percent of the data that's, that's created is never used. All of that has wisdom and knowledge in it to be extracted. It's just a matter of teaching something to look at it close enough to be able to get an idea of what will likely happen with a certain set of scenarios and a certain way that you're running production. And so it's taking and tapping into the ideas that are already a big part of the way that we search the web today, the way that we, we dig into the way we shop, uh, the way that we can, we can get better in our, uh, in our use of, of uh, you know, web technology, whatever it may be, and applying that to the factory floor. And so that's that, that's that data science skill set bringing it to manufacturing and tapping into all of these historians and production records and labor systems and material management systems and so forth that we have at our disposal, but they don't rarely ever get cross-referenced. Understood. Thanks for clarifying that, Matt. That's definitely uh, probably the big, if not the biggest direction uh, that uh, industry is headed toward cross industries that we see today. Sure. So, so, you know, since there's, you know, obviously no shortage of supply chain management software programs in existence, you know, that are often connected to or that are a part of an enterprise resource planning system. But from a production point of view, what should manufacturing and processing companies look for in supply chain software to ensure its relevance to production and not just to the front office side of things? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a great question. Um one of the most important components that we see today is the importance of having bi-directional data flow from the ERP to the, to the manufacturing uh, suite. Um, oftentimes the supply chain or ERP system pushes information down to the plant, but it doesn't receive a lot of information back. Uh, it al this allows operations to execute against the ERP, but doesn't do a lot to like really improve the status, the information or the understanding of people utilizing that system to really know how things are progressing and, and look to make better decisions in real time or at a better detail, a better level of detail. Um, there's certainly detailed information that doesn't belong in the ERP. So I'm not talking about the, the pressure of a certain vessel at a certain time, but I also feel folks miss a lot of big opportunities by not automating the collection back or of any or really very little production information. So I know one customer who constantly gets a schedule of production from ERP that's not attainable for their factory configuration. And that order runs. And when it does, it disrupts, it disrupts the plants for days until they can kind of catch back up and then make, make up ground they lost because of the, um, the odd request that the ERP has made into the schedule. Um, and so the, the problem is, is that that information it gets fed back by complaining, but does get, doesn't get fed back by data where the system can adjust itself. Um, so those kind of things can happen in the future, and bi-directional data goes a long way to solving for those. 
And then, and then another key consideration is really data integration. And that seems kind of obvious, um, but what, what we need to today is when we're talking about analytics and we're talking about uh, business intelligence and, and going the next step further in, in contextualizing and understanding my, our operations, um, it's important to make sure that your, those additional data sets and things that you're gonna want um, to use uh, are able to be combined with the other information for analysis. So that, that means making sure the data structures and definitions are ones that are more readily combinable with your existing data sets, and then that's gonna make things flow a lot. So a lot of the key, key indexes and keys around how to associate things has to be a consideration in design and the software from the ERP and manufacturing execution standpoint. Okay. You know, <clears throat> one uh, follow-up question I had about uh, the bi-directional information flows that you were mentioning there. Is that something that's difficult for manufacturers to put in place, or is that something that's a fairly straightforward process given the existence of a supply chain system in place and production uh, planning or operational software in place on the plant floor? Yeah, it's, it's not a technical challenge as much as it's a cultural and human element challenge. There's a trust factor that the writing from the from the manufacturing floor back to the ERP um, into the data sets that are live or that are that are real the quote unquote real uh, versions of the truth. There's a little bit of resistance around that, and so there's some different strategies around how to do that and make sure that there's it's not going to overwrite any important information or any or create a problem. But that has been what historically has been the barrier to get bidirectional. It's the trust of the IT and the accounting folks to want to be able to have that much flow from manufacturing come in. And then it's also having the manufacturing mindset that these become items of record that are part of the financial performance and that kind of stuff of a, of a, of a company. And so that there's a little bit of care and due diligence required to make those uh, data sets be you know, auditable and realistic. So it's a little culture problem. Interesting. So, so much when it comes to technology is more of a cultural issue between different groups and companies than it is the technology itself. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. If we, if we could just get to that one, that factory one day where there's the, the, the man and the dog and the man's job is not to touch anything and feed the dog and the dog's job is to make sure that he doesn't touch it. He doesn't touch anything. That would be ideal. Exactly. It's what it's what technology will eventually get us to, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's just a question of uh, of, of us uh, human element challenges. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of human elements coming into this, and the a fact that we're all dealing with uh, these days here, you know, in light of COVID. Uh, a number of industry experts across the board are saying that the era of complex global supply chains are coming to an end because of the results of COVID and the impacts it has had on supply chains. Um, and they're saying that the supply chains of the future are going to have a more narrow scope. Do you agree with this take? Do you see that uh, being the, the, the next steps for supply chains? So I do think that, and I think the risk to disruption of those longer supply chain issues has always existed, but it was always a won't, you know, kind of can't happen to us kind of mindset across the board. Um, the, the idea of whatever color you want, as long as it's black, is something that is pervasive in manufacturing. Um, but now companies without exception have experienced the ramifications of that mindset. And so I do expect things to change uh, to be more of a combination of 
you know, kind of the old normal, there is a lot of standard things that are run all the time in the old world um, to drive efficiency in the kind of economy. Like there's some certain things that you were always going to make. But then the new normal of like locally focused and nimble chains with the ability to quickly and easily modify and tweak the supply chain based on the, the nearest neighbors and the impact of the environment around it. Um, I, I do think COVID is going to give it a boost or gave it a boost already. But I think some of those changes were coming anyway. If you kind of take a look at a, a trend just in food and beverage of sort of lowering the barriers of entry on mass production uh, to your family recipe for sauce, beer, cookies, you name it. There's a whole lot of new brands out there that are, that are attacking and engaging and eating some of the traditional brands lunch in certain areas. And so it's, it's kind of given us a glimpse of how to create those smaller, more nimble supply chains that allow the, the, the little players to get in, get in and kind of compete with the bigger folks on a more regional scale. So I, I kind of foresee the bigger folks hopping on that trend as well and are looking at that becoming a reality uh, kind of a, of a smaller supply chain, one that can address the tastes and the needs of the local and regional areas. Okay. So, so given those changes that uh, you see taking place, either because of you know, being impacted by COVID and something that was a natural progression that was happening anyways, how do you see that affecting the technologies manufacturers use to manage supply chains in response to these changes? Yeah, and so I, I think there's going to need to be more flexibility and adaptability in the automation systems and the information systems that exist in a manufacturing facility to be able to adapt at any particular moment in time around disruptions. Um, so in other words, they'll need to be efficient and kind of and competitive when things are good and, and then be adjustable and nimble when disruptions are popping up left and right. So that's going to require an influx of technology and standardization for, to provide that underpinning of such an approach with a focus on flexibility and configuration versus a kind of a hard and fixed pipe approach that's used today. Um, there's a lot of systems out there that are set up to make that any color you want as long as it's black. Um, there's not a lot of uh, the option for the different tutti fruities and various uh, colors uh, uh, that you might want to see. And for sure not the version of, you know, matte style of, of color, you know, to, to pick a specific individualized approach. But we're getting closer to that um, in a boutique sort of, sort of offering. I think those boutique offerings will become mainstream and become more prolific throughout the next few years. So, so staying on the COVID issue uh, just for a minute more, you know, given the impact of COVID on you know manufacturing supply chains that, that you've just mentioned here, do you have recommendations uh, regarding supply chain optimization efforts to help mitigate the impacts manufacturers are experiencing now, or that would help companies be better prepared for future unexpected events? Now that we've uh, seen a a pretty whopping unexpected event. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, kind of mentioned before the, the tight coupling of supply chain to feed both information up and down with the process and software solutions um, will need willing to happen to allow them to have the flexibility to meet to meet the need. Um, I think it's fair to say that while like a soup company, for example, will always need chicken noodle as a heavy hitter in their portfolio, um, the demands of the geographic preference, health fads and, and fickle consumer trends that we sort of see, your different diets and, and so forth that come out, will dictate a kind of supply and manufacturing chain that has um, process and software solutions 
that are a combination of like a MacGyver and a Transformer incarnate. Um, and so, and then that's from the per perspective of uh, functional adaptability. Um, they always seem to be need, need to be ready for the impending, you know, whatever the next red beet and tuna fish minestrone craze might be. Um, and what they do, what, what that means is configurable process, a very conf highly configurable process, anything to anywhere mm -hmm. is, a, is a good ex example of from an ingredient supply and batching and blending perspective. But then also a lot of uh, adaptability in the packaging lines around servo control um, and making and being able to have various size packaging and different styles be run on on every line. So you being able to flex right now into uh, a consumer preference. The uh, the beer industry is struggling, obviously, from a, switching from kegs to cans and bottles uh, as their primary delivery model, um, since the bars are no longer uh, as at capacity as they were. That pivot and shift is something that has to be planned in the future around what's a flex line, what's not a flex line, what we can we can uh, be adaptive in uh, consumer preferences. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. You know, and, and speaking of flexibility and adaptability that, you know, is a necessity in uh, across the manufacturing industries now that you're speaking of, how do production automation technologies such as controllers and HMI, SCADA and MES software fit into this or factor into this with supply chain systems? And by that, I mean, I mean, should they be connected in any way as part of an industrial internet of things or industry 4.0 initiative to provide more supply chain transparency? Or do these automation technologies serve more as a means to an end for production to fulfill supply chain planning forecasts? Yeah. So, so coming from an assistant integrator, some feels like a little bit of a layup question. So I'm not going to go too crazy, <laughs> but, um, but I feel like it's a good spot for the, some of that mass customization applied that I discussed earlier. Um, it's, it's, you know, not only do, do MES related functions give you an integral view of your supply chain fulfillment status, but it also enables the next wave of consumer advances and approaches like mass customization, linking the milk you drink to the cow it came from and what that cow ate recently. You know, these, these, tr these trends that are driving consumer habits today into the coming decades are only possible if you have access to that real-time data and your automation and SCADA systems have the ability to show it and visualize it in a predictive and pro a productive manner. Um, I, I, I think that industry 4.0 to us We've, we've been delivering on that 4.0 for a little while. The tools are getting stronger. The connections are getting better. The openness and adaptiveness it, and the need in the business space is there. And so I think the things we've been preaching for the past 15, 20 years around integrating flexibility, tying together, contextualizing, sharing it with every layer of operations um, and making sure that each person that contributes in a production line has the tools they need to, to deliver on the, you know, on the, on the productivity goals is starting to really kind of be heard and come together. So I think those, those things, um, you know, those tools, controllers, SCADA and MES all fit within that, that vision. And it's just right today, something that we're, we've been talking about and it's coming to be. So given that, do you have any recommendations on how manufacturers should assess their choice of automation technologies uh, to get the most supply chain benefit? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we at Avancion 
subscribe to this idea behind Ashby's law of requisite variety. Um, and that law is law of requisite variety is that any given physical system in any given physical system, the part of the system with the greatest flexibility will control the system. And so I think that concept of flexibility, flexibility controlling the market and the system is going to be something that's going to be really important in the, in the next um, years. Um, and so that concept should be applied in all supply chains to the point that it's realistic. Um, to us, automation is pivotal in that ability to deliver. But, and, and so that means the flexibility, the routing, and all those kind of things that, that we um, mentioned earlier. Um, but it's not going to be through the normal lens, I don't think, of a capital project approach and the, as the way we look at things. Um, today, you measure ROI on a capital project, um, and it doesn't, it has to be included in a certain set, set amount of time. Um, in many cases, it's going to mean re-looking at your approach to automation at a fundamental level and measuring that across multiple projects, that improvement in value. Um, I believe the winning manufacturers will boost their adaptability in automation, information, and data analysis. Um, they're likely been they will likely benefit to leverage the expertise of a partner they can rely on to examine some of the options, recommend a path, and work with their technologies, because it's not going to be a one-shot fits-all kind of integration, but a little bit of evolving back and forth as things change and become clearer, and you manage the change that's coming. And so we can certainly talk about developing the factory of the future, but unless the people in your facility and your management team and the way you approach uh, executing your production is ready for it, it doesn't make a, a, isn't a great idea to apply that much change that quickly. So it has to be something that you're, you're kind of comfortable with, have a deep bench of options for support, because you're going to need to be able to touch and tweak often to live in this new normal. Because I think we're walking into something we haven't seen before, and we're not completely prepared to abandon the old ways that we did things, and that change will be, a, will be a challenge. So you have to address the human element of the technology you provide, and then at the same time, select the technology that will, be, will allow you the adaptability you need in the future. All right. Again, it comes back down to the people so much of the time. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for joining me for this podcast, Matt. And of course, thanks to all of our listeners. And please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World Get Your Questions Answered. And remember to visit our website at www.automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news.